Halting Remark podcast show, an interview with Ready to Be Pretty by Tori. Tell us about your po- your about you and your podcast. My name is Tori. I live in Victoria, BC, Canada. I am a twenty-three year three some twenty-something year old who works at a university and lives for reality TV. Anything, anything, anything celebrity. I post. I'm the host of podcast. Ready to be pretty. Trini lets me talk about current celebrity gossip, pop culture coast stories, and funny things that may happen in my life recently. I usually do tell a story of something that's going on in my life that we've seen as well. Pretty. Some episodes feature guests. We have a dialogue about anything. From the Bachelor to Twilight to Mary Kate and Ashley movies. Why and how did you start this podcast? I started listening to podcasts in 2013. Starting Rob has a podcast which he did say Survivor. I spent in many affiliated channels like reality wrap-ups and other podcasts about television celebrity culture. We're here to make my friends in the limelight bachelor party off the grind overly emanated. I found they made my community so much more enjoyable. My commute so much more enjoyable. I started listening to podcasts when I caught clean exercise using public transport, drove, etc. And to be honest, I, I, when I moved to a new city far away from my partner, it helped me fall asleep and keep me company. I want to contribute to a community that lived, loved, engaged in dialogue over pe- uh, with other people. My goal was to make a podcast like you're just talking about with another friend and maybe even brighten someone's day or keep someone company like podcasts do for me. I started my podcast in October 2018, trying to publish new episodes weekly. I bought a microphone one day and a movie of the week I had a logo and I published my first episode. Over the next few months, I was going, trying, to, trying to grow without a following, creating good content, home my editing skills. How, how do you find the time and funding to do this podcast? I generally release one episode a week, take a break during Christmas holiday. It makes me, takes me between four and eight hours from start to finish before I do anything myself, according to social media publishing. I pay for anything myself because right now I just started out. I see this as a hobby and something I'm really passionate about. So I don't mind putting time, time, effort and money into podcasts. So far I've spent about $350, including purchasing a microphone, getting headshots, promotional items, promoted social media posts and paying a host popping. Since I'm passionate about podcasting, I try to find time during evenings and weekends because I work 9 to 5. Sometimes it may be easy to get someone Think else done. Sometimes it's really hard. What do you gain from podcasting? I am open to sponsorship, but not currently have any. I have no revenue, but I learn. I learn new skills, technical social media, blossom new friendships, guests and listeners. Have a lot of fun recording and putting myself out there. How does your podcast process look like? I use electricity to record and use edit. I use a blue Yeti microphone. My guests have been friends or friends of friends. But a lot of Facebook groups with other podcasters, so that may change. So far, my guests have been all in, here have been in person. I usually try to write three broad topics I would talk about for 10 to 15 minutes each. It's sometimes it's something funny that's happened. I'm a, I'm, I'm a country story. My journal full notes. Sometimes I rent forms in my head while I'm in the car or showering, etc. I write down notes as quick as I can. 
I picked one topic about TV, one about services, and one for my life. How do you market your show? I generally use social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then host sites, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music, YouTube, SoundCloud, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. I post on my post my email. I try to Instagram stories, autogram, autograms, share a story, like posts. My breakdown is about 40% Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Spotify and Laughter. What advice would you share with aspiring new podcaster? Just start. Something is the hardest part. The first step, you probably suck. You will get better. I googled about every question in the book. Use Facebook podcast support groups for advice. You may learn more about me and my podcast here. Ready to be pretty. Podcream.com. Where well, can we learn a bit more about your podcast? Apple Podcasts. I'm on actually. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, YouTube, Switcher, Spotify, Castbox. Thank you. You've been listening to "Ready to Be Pretty" by Tori on the Holes of the Mark Podcast Show. Holes Mark Podcast Show talking to author. Paranormal Romance author Betty Ann Harris. What sort of research do you do to write Possessing Prudence? I know in advance. I decided did some research for this Paranormal Romance mystery, Possessing Prudence. In the prologue, the main character's ancestors are emigrating to America to escape the revolution, going to France after the American Revolution. I had to do research on historical facts of the time, period names used, clothing worn, transportations used, etc. Over a hundred years after, later, in 1897, the story really begins. A beautiful young woman of French descent is accused of murder. I had to then research historical facts of the time period, then in, until the current day, as a modern, modern main character, Prudence Trellwitt, trying to solve the murder mystery and clear her great aunt's name, reputation, the main plot, main story plot, their hauntings, protocols, a science performed, and other paranormal occurrences. I want to be realistic and unbelievable, unbelievable. So I had to do a lot of research on paranormal activities. What is the main thing you want readers to take away from your book? I like readers to take away a sense that there can be a strong connection between our ancestors and loved ones that passed on. We have to be open to it. Also, I love this story. It's hopeful and shows the true, true love never dies. A fun fact about writing your book. There is a science that takes place in the book. So a few videos of actual sciences are read about how they performed. It's quite interesting and a bit spooky sometimes. One particular video gave me goosebumps. Do you have a day job? What was your job before you writing full time? Besides being an author, I'm an author of a book promoter. I have my own small business, love, writers, beta files and promotions. I have been operating since 2009. Prior to that, I worked for a landscape design firm. Kink Garden Centre taking care of multiple plants. Also worked in part office part-time. I've always been an avid plant lover. What do your friends and family think about your being a writer? My friends like the idea. 
that on all for most of them support me quite a bit. I must laugh to myself though, as they tend to think the life of the ranch is about like they, they like to believe. It's getting up at ten in the morning, grabbing a cup of coffee and a muffin, then sitting in my lonely, lonely little office space, music playing in the background, and typing manuscript with my bathroom and my fussy slippers on. Not like that at all. The biggest surprise you have had well, the biggest surprise you've had but after becoming an author, I must say I was surprised how many time-consuming it is to gain a following and promote my books. It's never any process. Do that line in your books ahead of time, or are you more a seat by the pants, writer? From my first book, Eureka Point, I tried to be an outline, but soon discovered this is not the way I roll. So I guess I could be a fly by the pants, writer. I also write in complete conical order. Never writing chapter six before chapter two or anything like that. So it falls in my mind that way. Kind of like watching a movie scene. What kind of scenes are hardest for you to write? Action, dialogue, sex. For me, the hardest scenes to write are action scenes. So many effects have been considered like moments, sounds, etc. However, I like to write dialogue, and the next comes easy. I think you can show a lot about your characters' personalities by what they say. And how they say it. How, what do you like to do when you're not writing? I have several hobbies that I enjoy. First is interior decorating. I love to be when we moved into our new townhouse. Could start a square one and decorate the rooms. I love looking at paint colour samples, fabrics, silver and vintage pieces. I also like enjoy writing enjoy going out to lunch with my friends or visiting the tea rooms and shopping. I've spent a lot of time with my two adorable dogs, Daisy and Dexter, probably known as D&D. Why did you choose your... your... What Erin chore do you despise the most? I actually detest having a drive to the post office. I love the, the grocery shopping. What are you working on now? Currently working on a quirky, cosy mystery. But I'd love to write a sequel to Processing Prisons. I have some cracking ideas for that, and I hope we'll get cracking on it soon. I come quite attached to my characters, and Prudence Trevitt, never more than so, never more so. I'd like to know her, have her best friend of life. Possessing Prudence, book. A quaint, satellite town, a mystic point is steeped in mystery. Prudence Trivet, the town's historian, is on a mission to find out the truth about a great art that Alexandra Bellacott, who was accused of murder, guilty of murdering, found, found guilty of murdering her husband, a mayor of Mystic Port back in 1897. Prudence, known as Prudy, is certain that our great aunt is innocent. Innocence. A handsome young journalist, Dylan Monroe, is sent to Mystic Point to interview Prudy in advance of town's 250th anniversary celebration. Dylan immediately noticed Prudy. Trying to carry resemblance to a great aunt in a huge portrait of Alexander that hangs in a museum, surrounded by beauty. So intrigued by the story of Alexander, Dylan falls for Brody, and together they investigate to find out the truth. But uncovering the truth comes from some mishaps and mayhems. As the spirit of Alexander points out, points in the right direction, the opposing spirits try to persuade them. Is a fa- if you're a fan of Jessica. El Randall, the obligatory society series. You'll be charmed by Betty Ann Harris, 
Possessing Prudence. Excerpt from Possessing Prudence. Dylan turned on the colder and started asking questions. I'm intrigued by this Bancock woman. Can you tell me more about her? Yes, sir. Samuel Bancock was a mayor of Manchester Port in the 1890s. His bride, Alexander, was actually in charge of his mayoral campaign. It's unusual for women prior to women's suffrage to hold a position of such importance and to have been successful in getting her husband elected. Are you saying this? she was a woman ahead of her time? Yes, I guess I am, from what I've been told, and from that I have read about her. She's one of those women who wanted to have all, a loving, a loving marriage, successful career, children. She had extreme interest in politics. That's quite interesting. You must have been... Have, she must have been had a very full life. Well, she did have one child, son called Simon. Unfortunately, before she had a chance to have any more children, her husband, Mayor, died suddenly while in office. Devastated to, she was to lose her husband to such an early age, leaving her a widow at 24. She carried on displaying grace and great strength. She wanted to take her husband's place as mayor, but she was, too, she was unable to do so. Do you mean because she's a woman? I'm not sure if she could become a boy or not. I rather doubt it. She wasn't given the chance because if something happened to change her life forever, prudence pulls for effect. Dylan appeared most intrigued. Please continue. What happened? Alexander was arrested to murder her husband. By link. HTTPS dot slash slash books to read dot com slash u slash m q p v seven eight betty ann harris is a romantic author of romantic suspense and romantic suspense and romantic paranormal mrs born in philadelphia pennsylvania raised in maple glen and residing in southwestern pennsylvania betty ann is a reader who loves curling up to a good cosy mystery of that expensive book. Besides being a wife and mother, Betty Ann enjoys home decorating, working with two adorable dogs, also works as a books author, promotions, con- promotions consultant. Author's links. https dot 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 slash 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 www dot facebook dot com author Betty A. Ann Harris. Amazon https www.com and uh, dash n dash n harris dash e dash b o o four h s m two d four dash f r f equal s r dash n t n t t dash s r t c t dash ink ink Dash to one question mark QID equal one five four eight six eight six eight four four six at SR equal eight minus one.
and here is an example of one of her latest books. Saving Maggie, FBI Special Files, Betty Ann Harris. Chapter 1. Waking up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night, I have to admit, there was more than just a bit unnerving. The episode itself was bad enough. I thought, well, I was well over having one of those dreams a few years ago. Something must have recognised, reunited my memory for the instant. The trauma in my subconscious problem is I'm absolutely no control over it. It's the same dream I use, have over and over again. I hope it hasn't recurred if it had in, as it had in the past. In my line work, I can't afford to sleep deprivation. I have to I had to be alert and focused. I'm guarding a congressman who's working on an event just outside of Trenton, New Jersey. It was an outdoor affair, which made my, my job one hell of a lot more difficult. You had to be have your eyes in the back of your head and your toes on your toes all the, all the time. The stress of having to protect a politician is already an everyday normal situation. That's hard enough. But having to protect one in a crowd, people is downright maddening. Crocusman was speaking from up a large platform stage. I was standing about four feet to his right and about two feet closer to the front of the stage. My eyes were continuing on the crowd, scanning back and forth, left to right and back for, for front. To make matters worse, the backup guard I used when I was working on the outdoor event was stuck in traffic. I probably wouldn't have made it. I alerted the local police to the situation. As usual the case, I was dealing with an adrenaline rush overdrive, trained to react to any sudden quick movement. That's exactly what I did. From out of the corner of my eye, I first saw the outstretched arm and noticed a dark hooded figure moving quickly towards the stage. End of the outstretched arm, his hand was holding a pistol. About a millisecond late after, I saw an assailant take aim and start to squeeze the trigger. I was in the air, having dove in front of the congressman. I was already in mid-air when I heard a gunshot. happened in a split second. I felt the impact of a bullet slamming into me, but I knew my bullet from the face took the blunt of the first shot. But the second shot caught me under my left arm. I knocked the congressman down as half lying on top of him. I blood, bright red blood seeping into the fabric of his custom tailored suit, stenched white shirt. But I had not done my duty, my job. The congressman had not been hit. In the days I looked out into the scattered crowd to find the assailant being tackled by two cops. The bullet was lodged in my flesh. I was bleeding pretty heavily. I could find, the, I could feel the warm, thick blood seeping out of me. I have a strange tingling sensation to run down my limbs, a sharp stabbing pain where the bullet was lodged. But then, when I just passed out, that's when I woke up with a sweat from the all too real and agonising dream. It seemed like it only happened, although it had occurred several years ago. At least I was still alive to dream about it. I went to the bathroom, splashed cold water on my face, took a drink, then I went back to the bed. It was a wee hours on Friday morning. I knew I needed more sleep. The sleep now eluded me. Elise was going to be in the cabin after work in the evening. I could catch up some much needed rest, back relaxation over the weekend. 
Somehow, I made it through the day at work, a day that seemed to drag on forever. Lucky I'm just catching up with some paperwork. I'll get him put off. I've been putting off a long time. Nothing that required too much thought or attention, action. But I was more ready to start my weekend. But free by free that afternoon, I said goodnight to my boss, Mitch, who's always seen in the office, no matter how early I arrived, the morning how late I stayed some evenings. Good night, Miss O'Leary. Have a good weekend. You do the same, Mitch. See you Monday. It was a Friday evening, temperature and seasonally warm for midsummer, mid-October. Driving along the winding road that took me higher into the hills, a cavern moon's peak lake, I finally started to unwind. I could feel as the pent-up stress left my overly tense body. There's something about the, about the air being so clean and fresh to help me clear my mind and vibe my soul. The trees in the full mental ornamental splendor, their vibrant colours punctured the beauty of the punctuated the beauty of the rolling hills that seemed to go forever. With the sunroof open, my favourite music playing everything seemed just right, almost perfect. Driving was just a bit too fast, gave me the thrill. After all, all it would be hypothetical to have a shiny new sport car. Hypocritical to have a shiny new sport car and not to drive it like a sweet beast it was. Actually, I think I was experiencing some kind of some midlife rebellion. But my line of work driving a sports car little far fast is nothing. Danger meant running back beside a car, trying to protect the police official. Knowing where there was a wacko out in the crowd, just waiting to take a shot, intent on killing you and the person you were guarding. One thing was sure, life as a special agent was anything boring. For years I fired at the excitement of my job assignment, guarding politicians, going to fundraisers, where there'd be celebrities accompanying them. I was assigned to protect on first-class trips, but my enthusiasm started to wane after the first few years. Lately, I couldn't wait for weekends to come to this place, my sanctuary, enjoy nature, the rustic life and everything in the mountain, lake and cabinet to offer, protecting my old government skeezers and running besides limousine at integral events was making me weary. Thankfully, my boss, the agency, was considering some changes that allowed me to become involved over the cover of investigatory work. It wasn't unusual for an agent to have a number limited number of years involved in Secret Service type work. Seven years seemed to be the maximum. I was just about shy of that mark. No one lasted more than seven full years. At least, that's what I heard. It's about time for change. My boss Mitch knew it. I definitely knew it. I pulled up the rugged and unpaved path at a cabin just as the sun was setting. The sky resembled a beautiful watercolour, just like a Picasso monet painting. Orange, pink and turquoise, colours blended together and colluded into a sunny, sunny sunset. I loved this place every time I'd come here. The same emotion stirred in it. This was where I belong. Though lately, I've been feeling like it would be nice to share it with someone. Someone special. Like everyone, I'm a lovely companion, female persuasion. But it's a very, I ain't very lucky in love. Romance department. Sure, I dated enough, had experiences. It's beginning to wonder if I ever had to find a special someone. You know, person in life you're meant to be with. 
the rest of his life. The thought of what not that happening for me was starting to bother me. When I thought about my sister, my husband, my niece and my nephew, about how lucky my sister had been to find a special someone to give me to give me hope. At this stage of life I'm ready to settle down, get married and maybe have some kids of my own. The sun got the temperature dropped directly. I grabbed my gear and, and carried it in the steps of the cabin and unlocked the front door. The first order of business would be light a fire, open a bottle of wine, stretch out in front of the huge stone flag fireplace. It's definitely the life. I could picture myself retiring here, at least spending my sum- summers here. The cabin had been a Senator Lawson's vacation home. He loved this place. He was a great man. A good man, a good friend. During the last two years I had signed to protect him, we became close. He, I was dealing with it with a problem. He'd always talked to Doug about it. He had given me some great advice, fatherly type advice. I protected him in my life. Fortunately, while I while I'd been in service, no one had gotten to him. Not even close, unfortunately. He suffered a stroke and passed away on Christmas. But my total surprise and delight, he left the cabin to me. The end. This is Halsey Mark Podcast Show. I've been talking to Betty and Harris through email interview.